And, you know, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking, wow, in one year, the money they spent, that could have taken care of about 70, let's say 150,000, right? Typically, you know, no more than 2,000 per device. So they could have resolved 75 problems um, just from the money from one year um, with by putting in devices. Wow. And and that would have lasted, you know, those devices last more than 10 years. And uh, think of how much tax money is going down the drain. That's crazy. Hello, and welcome to the Fulcrum Radio Show. This is the first episode in a special three-part investigative series on the City of Ottawa's yearly trapping and killing of beavers. The City of Ottawa traps and kills beavers every year. Last year, the City of Ottawa spent more than $150,000 on trappers. What seems like it could be a very simple story is actually an incredibly twisted and wild tale. This story first came back into the spotlight when an article on September 27th was published in the Stittsville Central by Leslie McKay. The article was titled, The City of Ottawa Needs to Stop Killing Beavers. Shortly after that, it was picked up by the CBC, there was a 10-minute radio interview, and that was that. It was some time after the CBC interview, the story came on my radar, and I went to see if I could look into it. I thought it would be a really interesting segment for our weekly radio show. Before this story, I didn't really know anything about the beaver situation in Ottawa, or anywhere. I guess I didn't really think about them. But when you start to think about them, what do you know about beavers? When is the last time you saw one? They are one of the country's most iconic and beloved creatures. Sure, we got the moose, we got the goose, but the beaver... Does it get any more Canadian than that? What was supposed to be a 15-minute segment on an hourly weekly radio show has turned into a three-part miniseries on what essentially is a murder mystery on one of Canada's finest creatures. And that's why we're calling this The Ottawa Beaver Killings. This story starts with a conversation I had with a concerned citizen, Rob Grant. Rob was in South Ottawa, and the beavers had built a dam along the creek near his home around Leicester Road. Here is my conversation with Rob Grant. So, hey, Rob, thanks for taking the time to meet with me. Hey, my pleasure. Uh, how long have you lived here? I've lived here for about seven years now. Yeah. Oh, time flies. And how, uh, how long have the beavers been in this area? So I believe they've been in this area for a while, but we started to notice this particular beaver around June of 2021. Wow. And so uh, do you find them to be a nuisance? Not at all. I mean, it kind of was something to do, right? It's locked down, you go for a walk, and you'd hope to see the beaver. Yeah, yeah it was delightful. So, and I, I understand the cities come here and they try to take this dam down already. What happened there? So it was very confusing. We got an email from the city uh, basically indicating that the dam is going to stay. Great. And then that weekend, city workers came and really severely damaged the dam, I guess, to improve the water flow. And then after that, city workers came pretty much once a week, once every two weeks, to continue to damage the dam to manage the flow of water. I guess that was the way they thought they could do it. And um, one day they said they were going to trap the beaver, uh, which is inhumane and basically would result in killing him. And we haven't seen him since, and the city has refused to comment ever since. So uh, you haven't seen the beaver, but there are signs that he's been around, right? 
Uh, I've seen him once myself. I got a video of him, and uh, my neighbors have all seen him at least a couple times, but we haven't seen him in months. Why do you think the city says that they're problematic? I understand that there is a risk, like there is a beaver dam and there are houses nearby, so there is certainly a risk that it could flood. It would have to be a pretty biblical flood, but the risk exists nevertheless. I think the city just is listening to busybody neighbors who are worried and haven't, you know, spoken with any experts about the situation. So have you had any contact with the city? Have they told you anything? Not recently. So, you know, back in September, that's when, you know, they mentioned to me by email they would trap him. And before that, we got an email saying the beaver is going to stay. We love Lester the beaver. And that's really it. His name is Lester. Yeah. Uh, the, the nearby street is Lester. So he's taken on the name of Lester the beaver. And we know, is there only one or is there a family or... I'm, I've only ever seen one. One of my neighbors says they saw two, so they think it's a family, uh, but who knows. And what would you like to see happen with the beaver? I mean, if he was still here, uh, nothing. Just leave him alone. He, it's never actually flooded. There's never been a risk. So for me, the easiest answer... Yeah, go beavers! <laughs> for me, nothing. Uh if they want to be safe, you know, according to the Ottawa Carleton Wildlife Center, there are flow devices they can install that would manage the flow of water, prevent flooding, and they wouldn't have to send a city worker once every two weeks to knock down a piece of the dam. Uh, but I think in this case, the beaver is probably dead. So what I'd like to see is to change the policies in the future so we don't have to kill nearby beavers. Have you seen the city come here when they try to take this dam apart? No, I've always been too late. I think they come a little early in the morning for me. Okay. And uh, is there anything that you would like to say to anyone that says that the beavers are a problem? I don't... What would you say to anyone who says that the beavers are a problem? Like, I get it. You know, I'm not trying to say that... I don't know. I get it. I understand why you're concerned. But there's never been any evidence that this is a problem. The pathway has never gotten wet. You know, there's no actual danger here. You know, one resident said they're worried about children falling in the dam. And I get that. But there's also a road nearby with cars that routinely go 80 kilometers an hour or faster. And that's also pretty dangerous. So I get it. I understand your concerns. But maybe wait for there to be actual danger before crying wolf. Is there a way that you think that the neighbors here and the beavers can live peacefully together? I would love that. You, know, you put in a flow device if we want to make sure there's no flooding risk and let the beavers build their dam and we'll walk by and take photos. And to me, that seems like a pretty good life. But Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, hashtag save Lester Beaver. And uh, I don't know. I think this has happened in Stittsville as well. It's not just this one isolated incident, right? The city of Ottawa seems to have a, a routine of just paying a trapper to deal with beavers. And I think that if there's anything we're learning lately with everything going on with the environment and climate change, maybe we could learn to live a little closer to our wildlife. Thank you very much, Rob. Thanks, Damien. So I guess looking back, you could say, this is when I opened up Pandora's box. I decided to give Donna Dubray a call. She's from the Ottawa Carleton Wildlife Center. I was hoping that she could at least give me a little bit of context. Hello, Donna. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Hi, Damien. It's good to speak with you. Yeah. And can you tell me about the Ottawa Carleton Wildlife Center? Well, the Wildlife Center has been in existence for quite a while. It uh, was formed back in 1987. So we're coming up to our 34th or 35th year pretty soon and um, the center was established essentially to do wildlife rehabilitation for orphaned and injured wild mammals but we stopped doing rehabilitation back in 2002 primarily because the Ministry of Natural Resources regulations really became so restrictive that we felt we could not do um, you know reasonable rehabilitation. So our focus changed in 2002 uh, to doing public education. And really, it was, a, I guess, a fortuitous move because really doing public education was to try and deal with the circumstances that created orphans in the first place. In other words, reducing human wildlife conflicts and really helping the public understand, um, you know, 
how, how valuable wildlife were. So it was really became more of a focus of education. Now, I, I wanted to ask you about the beavers and just exactly like, I guess, starting point, are beavers are native to this area? Well, I think in many ways, Canada was formed on the backs of beavers. I know uh, they were pretty much hunted to extinction or trapped to extinction. And um, the fur trade in Hudson's Bay Company, of course, was very much involved in in, uh, in beaver pelts. And uh, But I think, again, they were pretty much eliminated for many years. And it's only been probably in this century that they've been coming back. And I think we've also, in a parallel situation, recognized how important beavers are to the landscape. I guess it comes down to the fact that um, we're really realizing that um, nature, I think it was uh, David Attenborough at the, um, the Scotland uh, conference has just been saying nature is an ally and we should look at it as an ally and beavers are very much part of that for sure. So beavers are crucial to wetlands, wetlands are crucial to us and so therefore beavers are crucial to us. So uh when exactly did this war on beavers start? <laughs> well, I think beavers do present a problem. They're great engineers, of course. And in fact, they rival men in terms of being able to modify their land, the landscape to suit themselves. And so the conflicts that beavers can cause, and particularly as we develop more and um, we really have infrastructure that beavers can affect, in terms of beaver's dam things. And so they can block culverts and, uh, and, and, and cause flooding. Uh, they can also take down trees. But, you know, I think, again, there are solutions to those issues and more progressive cities in Ottawa have found those solutions. And it's come along around the same time that we've recognized how absolutely crucial wetlands are to our, to our survival. Um, and uh, at the same time, beavers are probably the single most influence of making ensuring that wetlands are kept wet. So tell me more about wetlands, if you could. Like, why are why is a wetland so important to a city? Well, wetlands are crucial in terms of providing some area where um, obviously rainwater can fall and be, be absorbed. And um, wetlands serve almost like a giant sponge. And at the same time, with increasing climate change, they become even more critical. Cities like uh, Calgary, cities like Houston, Texas, have recognized that they, they have paved over a lot of their wetlands, probably something like 70% of wetlands in Ontario, particularly in southern Ontario, have been eliminated due to development and due to farming, due to agriculture practices. But we really realize now that that was very short-sighted and that we have to preserve what wetlands we have left and hopefully, you know, reestablish other wetlands. Now, with some of those other cities that you mentioned, uh, London, Edmonton, are there things that they're doing that we could do here? Like I flow devices how yeah. would that work flow devices are it's a it's not a new technology but it's been improved over the years and flow devices really do allow us to live with beavers and 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 gather the benefits that they bring to the environment um, and at the same time prevent flooding. Um, flow devices are essentially meant to kind of fool beavers. Beavers want, want to plug up culverts, road culverts and build dams to you know sort of create water a water depth that will suit them. In other words, they need for survival to obviously keep predators at bay a certain depth of water. And so if they hear water running, um, they like such as running through a culvert, um, they will tend to want to block that up to create a, a higher water level. So flow devices essentially are what we call a pipe and, and, and fence solution for a culvert, for example, there's a certain amount of fencing that's put around in a trapezoidal effect um, because beavers have a tendency to want to block the front of the, the fencing area, um, not the sides so much. And then the pipe extends through that, um, that culvert and goes out to what is a round circular fencing fenced area with a bottom in it. And that pipe is underwater, of course. And so the beavers can't hear the water flowing. And you set the pipe at a level that allows flooding not to occur, but at the same time, enough water depth for the beavers to continue to exist there. So it really tends to fool beavers because they're not hearing the water flowing and they you, you set the pipe at a level that obviously you're going to prevent flooding but at the same time provide enough enough water levels for the beaver 
So is it possible for us to coexist with wildlife in our cities? <laughs> One would hope so. I don't know. There was an opinion piece by a local environmentalist just recently, actually, Daniel Buckles, who said that um, Ottawa is a city that just doesn't get nature. And I think that's a very appropriate thing. He was referring to the fact that the city's new official plan has barely two or three references to biodiversity in a plan that's 340 pages long. So, you know, I think Ottawa has a tendency to think that we can manage nature as opposed to working with it. Other cities have become, I think, much more skilled at kind of recognizing that um, nature bats last and we should learn to, to work with it. Yeah. And is there anything else you wanted to say? Well, just simply that the issue of um, trapping beavers in, in urban areas is wrong on so many different levels. Eliminating beavers is wrong because it's creating environmental damage. I think um, at the same time, there's a safety, there's a public safety issue, putting conibear traps, kill traps in stormwater ponds, which is where people mostly go for passive recreation, is a safety hazard because children and pets will sometimes get down to where that water, that water area is. And um, it's very costly as well, too. Like why the city continues to repeat over and over the same process every year. You know, they go out, they unblock culverts, they, um, they, 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 they trap beavers. The cost of the, the trapper is probably very small, although as, um, as was recently found, averaging the price in Ottawa is around over $100,000 a year for just the trapper. And that's generally just a very small portion of the overall cost. The real cost is in your city crews, having regularly to go out, unblock culverts, using heavy equipment. And then, you know, a week later, trapping the beavers and a week later going back and doing the same thing. A flow device eliminates that. Flow devices are very, very effective and they're being chosen by other cities because they are so cost effective. I, I do want to ask you a little more about the trapping. How does the trapping work again? Is it it's set up underwater? It Correct. It's set up on underwater, and the theory is, and um, is that the beavers will go into that trap, and generally it will kill them immediately. But the bottom line is, is that there's certainly lots of evidence that, depending on how the beaver is actually caught in the trap, that it doesn't necessarily kill on on impact. That the beavers can struggle for several minutes before they they drown. So it's a very cruel approach as well, too. And I think this is what the public is really responding to. They do not want to see in their recreational areas um, these kinds of devices used and wildlife being being treated in this fashion. And so if the city says that they're relocating the beavers, is that possible or, or is it? That essentially, and I'll call it as it is, it's a lie. The city does not relocate beavers. In fact, the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry's regulations only allow wildlife to be relocated um, up to one kilometre. So, of course, that would not solve any, any issue. And so I think the feeling that we have is that um, when a city is using tax dollars and it still has to lie about how they're being deployed, that's inappropriate. I think it shows that that activity should not be being done in the first instance. Thank you very much, Donna. You're welcome, Damien. Now, before we go anywhere else, Donna mentioned this guy. Daniel Buckles, who said that um, Ottawa is a city that just doesn't get nature. So let's meet Daniel Buckles. Yeah. Uh, what's your name, sir? Daniel Buckles. And where are we right now? We're in Champlain Park, which is a neighborhood in Kitchissippi Ward. Uh, right on the edge of the Ottawa River uh, and uh, at one time uh, this area was uh, all con- owned by the um, uh, Algonquin peoples uh, who who lived here and used these resources and we are fortunate to be able to uh, share that space with them now. So in your writing I've seen uh, you say things along the lines of uh, developer influence Certainly, very well, strong. That one, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that story in relation to what we're seeing, and then we'll go walk and look at the woods. Sure, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to see. But this, this um, piece of tree here um, really launched for me the um, 
my interest in tree conservation in this neighborhood. Uh, this tree used to be on a nearby street, Northwestern, and was cut down by a developer. Um, the property is actually still empty. Eleven year, uh, when was it? 2011, so that's uh, 10 years ago. Uh, the tree was cut down, the property stood by a developer to build a, a new uh, residence there. Um, and um, the property is still empty 10 years later. Uh, and that, this tree is actually uh, well over the, older than Canada. Uh, it was, um, you can see from the middle uh, badge there that uh, it was a sapling in 1857 um, and grew to this enormous size of a meter across uh, since that time, up until 2011. You can even see actually a link of chain that is from a fence that was attached to the tree and the tree grew around that piece of chain and stayed in sort of enveloped it it's inside the inside it so this this tree uh, and the protests that happened in this community over the cutting down of this tree very negative event actually turned into uh, what is ultimately a very positive uh, story about uh, people coming to appreciate the tree canopy that we have in this neighborhood. Now we're going to come back to Daniel Buckles later, but right now, with all of the context out of the way, this is really where our story begins. So I went out to Stittsville to meet the Stittsville landkeepers. Hi, what's your name? Anne Swanwick. And what's your name? Catherine Clydesdale. <laughs> and what's your name? Leslie McKay. Can you tell me about the Stittsville Landkeepers? Uh, it's a new group, and we're going to try and protect the environment. The wetlands, the beavers, flora, fauna, whatever. And bring the awareness of the community to, to the wetlands yeah. and the environment. Flora and fauna. If anybody wants to get involved with the Stittsville Landkeepers, how can they? Um, Stittsville Landkeepers Facebook page. Um, I believe that we're working on a website. Jesse Lozanski wrote a book here for Stittsville. It's called Wild Stittsville. And this started it all. From that, it all just sparked and it all came together. And she actually writes articles for us at Stittsville Central as well. Yeah, Monthly. and you're, that's your paper. What is, what is yeah. your role there? I'm the editor. Of the Stittsville Central. Central. It's an online news events, local. Yep. Yes. Support small business. Leslie is awesome. Yeah, so. It's because of Leslie's article <laughs> originally that we really got momentum and Leslie put us in touch with Jesse. It all started at the Stittsville Central. Yeah, well, well, Catherine reached out to me about the beaver issue. Was I aware that it was happening? And then we went from there, and it grew and grew and grew, and we well, wrote a story, and then um, we got the Ottawa Carlton Wildlife. They sent, they had sent a letter to um, councillors and the mayor, um, and so then we printed their letter, and then Jessie did, had her book, and she started writing articles for us. and So it's all just come together really well, and we've been able to form this Stitzel Landkeepers, and we have a we're starting to gather more and more people. But there is a Facebook page, the Stitzel Landkeepers, and people can go there and check it out and join and join the meetings. You can join the meetings whether you're a member or not, and they're very informative. And um, yeah, you don't have to be an active member, but it's an awareness. Yeah. It's an awareness, and our poster is on the Facebook page, the one I'm going to go get mm-hmm. photocopied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. And it's all gone because of development. But we used to play back there and we'd get our yeah. tadpoles and our pollywogs and things. And it, for me, being a longtime resident, it's sad to see the um, wildlife disappearing. Yeah. Now, sorry, what's your name again? Leslie McKay. Leslie McKay. And your name? Catherine Clydesdale. And so, how long have you both lived here? You well, said 42 years for me. And you don't want to say? 64. 64. Wow. 
<laughs> so lots of changes here. When's oh, the last man. time you saw the beavers? Well, oh, and Anna's seen them. Yeah. Yeah, Anne, Anne, Anne recorded them on Anne the CBC. She'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> She's a beaver lady. She'll know exactly when the last time. Yeah. Yeah. when the last time you saw the beavers. I didn't. I haven't seen um, the one that I photographed for the. I haven't seen it again, but I've heard a splash. You know, at the when, lookout. When? This week. Oh, yeah. that's a good. Thing. Yeah, and Ron says he heard a splash. Yeah, that is a good. Thing. It is significant, yeah. but it is on the opposite side of the look uh, of the uh, trail from the lodge. Oh. So oh, on the other side, where the where, where the, lookout the lookout is. is. Yeah. 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 So, but but they, but they definitely killed them already, right? Oh heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they keep coming back. That's what the people at the Ottawa cage the beavers, say. They, they come back, thankfully, but the Ottawa keeps killing them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there so, were a few more up until, I think, at the end of May, yeah. and then they all disappeared. Yeah. That's and when then you saw about the, the end, of, yeah, and that's when I saw the truck parked up in the bluff. Yeah. And then about August, started seeing them again. Yeah. And they came back. The weekend that that CBC article yes. came out, yeah. I stopped seeing them. Well, that was about Lester the Beaver, right? Was it? No, no, no. This no. was about my interview out with there the when CBC. you were with me. Oh, then they, you think they came I, after that? Oh, yeah. I mean, hindsight, that was not a smart thing to do. It said to them, hi, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Here's our location. Oh, easy to find now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, where exactly are we without... You are three quarters of a mile down the trail. We're going to walk up three quarters of a mile to the lookout, and that's where most of the water is. Yeah, it, it'll be west. Okay. But and he, uh, Damien asked where Pool Creek was, so this drains into Pool Creek, which really where the, where starts those where those are. people are. We're yeah. At Pool Creek. Yeah. Okay. And, and cool. But let's used walk to and also you'll get go it. in through Cypress Gardens, exactly. all in behind it's all been the Henry yeah. Goulburn. If you want to look on a map, or Henry Goulburn Avenues, that used to be all like Pool Creek, all in behind there, and it's gone. It's all houses now. They've drained it and developed it. And this was Chenier all, Homes did that. It was all pretty well wetland at one it, point. Oh yeah. It is wet. Very much. Yeah. It is yes. Still Very driving much. here on most summer's day if we've had a lot of water. That's a Blanding's turtle habitat. And if you look up Blanding's turtle, they're endangered. This whole Goulburn wetland is a habitat for Blanding's turtles. And it is a, something the city wants to ignore. Um, Nick Stowe, the city's environmentalist, I think in answer to somebody's question about training the wetland, said the Blanding's are capable of traveling distances for water. That was his reply. Sir, what's your name? I'm Nick Stowe. I'm the senior planner in the Natural Systems and Rural Affairs Unit at the City of Ottawa. And uh, how long have you been with the city? I've been there for 12 years now. Um, I'm a, a planner by title, but a biologist by profession. Now, how important are wetlands? Oh, wetlands are, are extremely important. Uh, they're important for for uh, maintaining biodiversity. They're important for, um, for flood management. They provide uh, you know, f important fish habitat. Um, and of course, they're just beautiful places to go. Hmm. Now, can, can you tell me about Pool Creek? So, Pool, yeah, Pool Creek um, is in the west end of the city, uh, near Stittsville. It uh, originates west of the city, of the urban boundary, uh, right along the Trans-Canada Trail in a, in a wetland there, and then it meanders into the urban boundary and then flows through the urban area down to the Carp River. And it's a, it's a beautiful creek. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fairly unique in the Ottawa area, and then it's a cool water creek, so it's, uh, it can actually support and has in the past supported, uh, supported trout. Um, and yeah, and it's a beautiful place. Yeah, so, okay, tell me a little bit more about the Hazel Dean Municipal, is it dream or drain? Drain. Drain, okay. It, it is, was and is Pool Creek. And 
2009-10, I can't remember exactly, the city put a municipal drain out front of the lookout where we're going. Oh, no, it was in 2014, I thought? No. Oh, okay. Okay. And That far back, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there's an interview with Ken McRae online somewhere where he said this is the first step in draining the wetland. And who is Ken McRae? We're going to meet him later. He is an environmental activist. Okay. You can Google him and mm-hmm. uh, Coyote. Coyote, yeah. Anyway, with the drain, all the water out front of the lookout drained away. And it people... Was, it was Catherine's pristine. Yeah. Unbelievable. Do you, hey, Leslie? Like it used to be so beautiful. Oh, you could so much wildlife would come. Um, You could everything skate in winter, canoe in summer. My my kids skated there. Yeah, when we were kids, we skate on the ponds and things. Yeah, Yeah. and it became a mud pile, and then the invasive species yeah took over. Yeah, Yeah. but all this is, and this is solely my opinion part of the larger picture to drain a provincially significant wetland for development. Here's Nick Stowe again. Remember, he's the city of Ottawa planner. So what what is the Hazel Dean Municipal Drain? The Hazel Dean Municipal Drain is actually a, uh, although they're called municipal drains, they're actually provincial drains. Um, They are uh, established under uh, the province's drainage act and they are designed to provide um, uh, sufficient outlet for uh, the draining primarily of agricultural lands but not necessarily agricultural lands. Um, The problem you often have uh, with with, uh, drainage of agricultural lands is that ditches and drains will flow through private property and someone upstream may not have the ability to go in and carry out maintenance on the downstream portions of those uh, of those ditches that are off their property. So the Drainage Act uh, allows for the establishment of a municipal drain in which the municipality can then go in and do the work on private property to maintain the full length of that, that drain. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the point, it's to allow proper drainage of primarily agricultural lands where a private property owner may not be able to do so. We can go and show you real quick. Yeah, I'd love to. Where was the last time you saw the beavers? Uh, They're up here. Well, the last time I saw them was uh, about the week that that CBC article came out, so a month ago. That's about a month, that's what I yeah. said. Yeah. Was it a month? Yep. And so, I said two weeks. Yeah. So you say there's almost some correlation between that CBC article and the disappearance of the beavers. Oh, yeah. Like Lester. CTV News put a segment on their 6 o'clock news showing Lester the beaver in Sawmill Creek and how all the residents around were enjoying watching him and sort of seeing nature in the raw. Mm -hmm. Well, the next thing you know, the city is there. Rob Grant probably told you that letter he got with no date, no name, giving all the usual excuses, uh, drain maintenance, infrastructure destruction. I mean, it's just a litany of non-relevant excuses. And and the thing is... Uh, the people at the Ottawa Carlton Wildlife Center, Don, Donna and Kate, said that where Lester was killed was a perfect example where the beaver baffles could be used. There was no reason whatsoever to kill Lester, to, to kill the beaver, and no, there would have been no damage whatsoever to any infrastructure. Now, I, I want to ask you, does the city of Ottawa have a problem killing beavers? We have a problem killing beavers. Well, um, we actually, I mean, we value beavers uh, very highly. We value the habitat they create. Um, 
we are uh, required sometimes to to trap beavers uh, when they pose a risk to public health and safety. And so, what happens when the beavers are trapped? So it's uh, unfortunately it's lethal trapping. Um, the province puts restrictions on relocation of beavers. Uh, you cannot relocate a beaver more than or any animal that's trapped more than one kilometer from where it was trapped. That's obviously a problem when you're dealing with beavers because you have to have some place to put them. Uh, you can't put them on private property. It has to be suitable habitat. And so relocation is really, really uh, impractical. And so uh, it, we employ uh, lethal trapping when, we, when it's necessary to do so. And uh, do we know how many beavers were killed last year? We don't have, uh, I don't have an exact count. Um, we, uh, we probably have a dozen sites around the city would be my guess where we uh, were trapping in the past year. It may be a little more, it may be a little less. And how much money does the city spend on trappers? Uh, we spent about $150,000 last year on uh, a trapper. Um, the, keep in mind that the city of Ottawa is almost 3,000 square kilometers. Um, and we have uh, about two-thirds of that is rural, so we've got about 2,000 square kilometers of agricultural and rural lands. We have about 420 uh, square kilometers of wetlands, and of course thousands of kilometers of roads. So, you know, when you spread $150,000 over that uh, that area, um, and it's really not a lot of money. Um, plus, every time you do trap for beavers, it's necessary for the trapper to make multiple visits to the site. You've got to go and set the traps, have to pull them out, um, it's usually a beaver colony, not a single a beaver, so there may be several beavers trapped at each site. Now, you remember this guy from the very first part of the show? And, you know, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking, wow, in one year, the money they spent, that could have taken care of about 70, let's say 150,000, right? Typically, you know, no more than 2,000 per device so they could have resolved 75 problems um just from the money from one year um with by putting in devices wow and and that would have lasted you know those devices last more than 10 years and uh think of how much tax money is going down the drain that's crazy that is crazy Seven, that's say that again. How much is that exactly? Like one. So typically, most most the average flow device cost is going to be usually at let's say two thousand dollars. So for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that would pay for seventy five devices to be installed in just from the money from one year that they spent on the trapping. And not only would it resolve those 75 problems, but not just for that year either. For, you know, these devices are going to last more than 10 years. So, in, in, and where, where we trap, or anyone traps, they're going back every year or two to the same spot. You know, so that money just keeps getting spent every year, year after year after year. Whereas put in a device and, and then you're, you're good for, you know, a decade, you know? So uh, it's just a waste of taxpayer money. So that's Mike Callahan from the Beaver Institute in Massachusetts. He's pretty much like the most expert, person on beavers in North America. We're going to come back to Mike later. He's got a lot to say. But right now, let's go back to the Hazel Dean Municipal Drain, or what used to be known as Pool Creek. If I could ask again about beaver baffles. Yeah. This is like a... a it allows water to flow. It tricks the beaver into thinking it's dams working. The water flows, there's no backup or flooding, the beaver's happy, 
And it, the city should be happy, but they absolutely refused to use them. Yeah. The couple of sites they did install them, they weren't... They were, let's put it this way, it was designed to fail. So you've never seen the city uh, employ any of these flow devices, beaver no, baffles? you have to talk to Donna and Kate about that. Right. And I printed their letter that yeah, they wrote yeah, yeah. in Sitzel Central. I have a lot on the beavers if you want it to look there as well. Yeah. Okay. And they wrote a, a letter. They wrote a letter to the city and to all the, the councillors about, about their... <laughs> about their um, relationship with the city because what's his face, Glenn Gower. Glenn Gower is the city councillor for Stittsville. We're going to meet him shortly. Told me when I was speaking to him that um, the Ottawa Carlton Wildlife Centre refused to work with them anymore. Which is not true. Which is, And so I was very surprised when they said that. And I said, hmm, because we've been in touch with them so closely and they're so pro-helping beavers. Yes. And so I said, okay, well, if I can convince the <laughs> Ottawa Carlton Wildlife Centre to work with you, will, will you commit to having them come out and see if a beaver baffle will work here in Stittsville and he said yes and then after that that's when um, uh, when Ottawa Carlton Wildlife Center issued their statement to the city yeah. and and, uh, and they put in there basically I've tried to work with you and you the city were not playing in good faith yeah. now uh, we, we we just saw some coyote droppings yep I want, have you seen other wildlife in this oh, area. Oh, we've seen fox, bears, we have, we have fox, bears, fox, bears, wolves, yeah. fishers, porcupines, coons, birds, I imagine. Oh, listen, oh, yeah. don't get me going on birds. Yeah. <laughs> like a big long trail. Yeah. It which used to be the east, rail line. Oh. Yeah. Which goes east to west. The rail line, okay. So and it goes all the way from coast to coast, right, guys? I'm not wrong. Well, it's part of the Trans Canada yeah. Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what this is. Part yeah. Of and when they yeah, took next out stop the rail Vancouver. Line... Okay. What? Next stop Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But when they took out the rail lines, they started. Yeah. Not just here, but across Canada, starting to form the Trans Canada Trail, and of course they. Yeah. Did this. Right. They changed it all over to the. Because okay, this is the rail line what? to Carlton Place. Changed oh, it all okay. over to the Trans Canada Trail. Yeah, yeah, we joined yeah. up and it Wait, Which was a good thing to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Damien. Right now, I've got 64 so species. These are all birds that, that you've seen. Uh, no, heard. Uh, sound. Heard. This you've is heard. sound ID. Barred owls, red breasted nut, brown creeper. Not, have you ever heard of a great white fronted goose? I have heard of it, but yeah. I've never it's out seen here. one. You've, oh, really? Okay. Cackling, oh yeah, a date and time. Oh, wow. A cackling goose. Oh, I've heard that, yeah. You we know, uh, common loon. Yeah, row-breasted swanson thrush. Wow. Bay-breasted warbler. Hmm. You know, I got... So, How much time you got? Well, I got, <laughs> I got all the time for you. Uh, that's a, so, Look at that, a common gallinule. Have you ever heard of no. it? no. Well, <laughs> no, I literally have. Oh my there God. it is, right there. On the 5th of September. Ooh. There oh he God. is. Did you see him, Ann? Do you know? No, I caught him. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah I'm, no, my days of tramping through the bush, yeah. bird watching yeah. are gone. That's so cool. <laughs> I, 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 oh, yeah. Some of the residents that I've spoken to in some of these areas, uh, they say they quite like the beavers and they've never seen the beavers uh, causing any destruction or, or flooding issues. Like, is there a response that you would say to that? Well, we don't trap beavers unless there is a reason to do so. The majority of beavers in Ottawa are never disturbed by, by the city at all. Um, but um, often, not oftentimes, but sometimes, um, uh, the beavers will build a dam and a lodge in a location that is a threat to city infrastructure or public safety. So um, they may, for example, block a culvert under a road or a rail track. And in that instance, um, you know, they build a dam, uh, they block a culvert because they need at least a meter and a half of water uh, to overwinter successfully. They overwinter under the ice, they need to be able to swim between their lodge and their food pile. So they need a, about a, a meter and a half or more of water so they can, they can do that. There are many places in the city 
where a meter and a half of water would overtop a road, it would overtop a, a trail or a rail line, um, and, uh, and cause damage to those, to those structures and, and possibly pose a safety risk. Um, the, other, the other instance is where we get beaver dams upstream of publicly used areas. And uh, it's important to understand all beaver dams eventually burst, uh, rupture. And if you get a sudden rupture of a beaver dam, you know, with, you know, uh, with many tens of thousands of liters behind it, you can, you could actually get a flash flood downstream that poses a risk to uh, tamper structure or public safety. And if you ever, you know, you can Google um, uh, beaver dam burst road, you can and find all kinds of images where beaver, the rupture of beaver dams has caused substantial damage to to roads and railways and things like that? It depends on, this, on what type of device we're using. You know, there are a variety of techniques we can use that will, um, to manage beavers in an area. Uh, road culverts are a very common site that uh, beavers will dam up. You know, basically to the beavers, a roadbed with a pipe going through it, a culvert pipe, is a hole as a dam with a hole in it and with a little bit of work plugging up that pipe the whole roadbed becomes a dam so they love going after those and we can put fencing on the culvert that will keep the water at the original level and discourage beavers from damming on it because it turns what's an ease the fence turns what is the easiest place to make a dam into the hardest place to make a dam so they'll leave it alone so in those cases we don't need any depth if we're just putting a fence on a culvert um, if we are putting a pipe through a beaver dam then we typically want to have a meter about three feet of water depth somewhere in that pond where we can submerge our pipe into because we put fencing around the intake of our pipe so that the beavers can't get at it to plug it up nor can they feel any water going into through that fencing because the fence is built big enough five feet in diameter six feet in diameter so that even when the pipe's flowing full tilt the beaver swimming by the outside of our fence can't feel or hear any water so they don't lead, they don't try to dam that up because they don't know there's a pipe in there so the with the pipes we need about three feet the culvert fences we don't need any special depth for and you know, there's a few other techniques too but that those are the most common it on your bird <laughs> yeah no really no that's, I mean, that's true rep already it's the crazy lady on the trail no, don't that's, that's, really, brain Alexa, to it. that's a really good idea no, like to keep when you're out here walking do you realize this is yeah in the midst of you you know yeah we yeah. have <laughs> oh yeah i oh, did yeah. a what that was only about five weeks worth huh. Oh, my. That, all those birds, you found, you saw them in five weeks. I heard them so you in, heard five them in five weeks. Uh, and the, this is the Cornell University Ornithology Lab. Oh, and they are, oh yeah, this isn't a fly-by-night organization. Yeah. And I'm on their email list, so oh, I get... And there you can, like, there's a day... I signed up for that, too. There's a day when you can... I think it's in January or February where you tell them how many birds you see. Yeah. And uh, and they and they tabulate that all over the world. Yeah, yeah they have it in Ottawa here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the bird watching the bird, society. Yeah, yeah. So, but right. it's not a fly by night. It's not a fly by night organization. These are serious people tracking North American birds. Yeah, see how it's changing. The migratory yeah. patterns. You know, uh, a couple of birds. They shouldn't be here. And I, I've got a list it somewhere. Exactly. It's getting too warm, so they're yeah. moving. They're able to handle well, the northern birds or the southern birds are coming north because it's getting too hot. That's, what, that's what's happening with the whales uh, in the waters. They're going further north, and they're getting they're getting hurt yeah. because well, the other day hot. in Vancouver Harbor there was a great white mm-hmm. whale. I couldn't believe it when I. I saw it for a minute and show Damien this, just so you you get the full picture about the cutting of the... So there's another organization, which Anne can speak to. But anyway, this is... They came in here, the city hired them to 
I don't know what to do. But anyway, they clear, they cut all these trees. It's these cedars were all club. beautiful out, out here. Got, and they just cut, cut them back. It's a skidoo club that the city supported with our they tax dollars them. to come out here and absolutely hack and slash. Massacre. And it, it was all. I was first on the trail at about 5.30 in the morning. And it was unsafe to walk up the trail, all the limbs and branches, debris that they left. I wrote Glengower. Some of it got cleaned up, but they came back again. I think the 24th of July did more. I wrote Glengower. And finally, they came and did a cleanup. You've been listening to part one of the Ottawa Beaver Killings on the Fulcrum Radio Show. On this past episode, we spoke with Rob Grant over his concerns for the well-being of Lester the Beaver, Donna Dubray from the Ottawa Carleton Wildlife Centre. We went out to Stittsville to meet with the Stittsville landkeepers, that's Catherine Clysdale, Ann Swanwick, and Leslie McKay, we spoke to Nick Stowe, the City of Ottawa's city planner, and Mike Callahan from the Beaver Institute in Massachusetts. Special thank you to Daniel Buckles. In the next part of the series, we're going to meet Glenn Gower, the city councillor for Stittsville, and Ken McRae. Here's a sneak peek. And that's what called, like somebody said, it was like over into the night, somebody pulled the plug on a bathtub and the water disappeared. And others said, oh, it was an aquifer. And it... When it happened? It was overnight. Uh, that drain is actually intended to, primarily to drain agricultural lands to the north of Hazeldean Road, outside the, uh, uh, the Upper Pool Creek wetland. But it does flow through the Upper Pool Creek wetland and then out through Stittsville. Sure. Uh, the Beaver Institute is a nonprofit that was uh, established here in my home state of Massachusetts back in 2017. And I founded it with the goal of trying to raise awareness and about the value of beavers on the landscape and to help spread knowledge about ways that we can manage uh, to keep them on the landscape and resolve conflicts. We'll be back next week with part two of the Ottawa Beaver Killings.